Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Tyler Lockett to my DK Metcalf. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm feeling underrated and plucky. All right, and our very own David Moore. That's right. Bringing it this season, it's Eric Ronenbeck. Eric, <laughs> how you doing? Oh, once maligned, but now now real, real sturdy, real sturdy. Beloved, four for 71 and a touchdown last week. You are yeah, looking... Man better every week i'm not gonna lie i'll take it so uh tough 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 week to be a seahawks fan i think most of us would agree that this was um not what we wanted to see team went down big early uh really put a lot of effort into coming back got down by a touchdown and then promptly decided to uh make sure that we knew they were losing this week (laughs) for real this time yeah it wasn't really a nail biter yeah, is it, the, we we caught up by seven, and it's like okay, we might be back in this, and then it, it really went downhill from there. It was like holy smokes, this is um, this is getting ugly. So, just a tough all around week for the Seahawks, and so I did what I uh, what I do sometimes when uh, when we have a really tough loss. It actually like kind of inspires me to go much deeper into the tape than I normally would. Uh, I would I, I go um I go a lot farther into the into the, uh, the, the usually like what I hear is what I here's my post game processes for before prepare for the podcast. I get out a notebook, I watch the game on the uh, I watch the game. I have on one screen I have the condensed game filled on the other screen I have the all twenty two. I'll watch the condensed game film until I get to a play that I want to watch the all twenty two for. I'll watch the all twenty two for that play, and I might do that like six times a game. This game I watch the all twenty two for the entire game, so I've seen. Um, too much from this game it is it is rough um let's start let's start the defense i'm a guy that eats his vegetables before i eat like if i have a plate full of food and i got my fried chicken and i got my vegetables and i got my mashed potatoes i'm going to eat every vegetable off the plate first because i want to get it over with um are you guys like that too or are you you, how do you how do you finish your plate eric (laughs) i mean i'll be honest like if you serve me dessert with my food, I'm probably taking a bite of whatever that is that is dessert on my plate. Just because, uh, you know, if I got if you put like corn on my plate and you put like chocolate cake, I'm taking a bite of that chocolate cake because I know I'm gonna have to shovel down that corn. Um, but this is this is in no way enjoyable. Like I can I can like my vegetables. This is lima beans, man. This is this is not what we wanted to see. This isn't a wake up game. This is a dare to show you reality game this is a mirror game and it was uh still painful still really like how you went i thought you were gonna go tarantino on that this this is a lima bean game man this is a lima bean game. i you know this we we got to keep it clean house. so that's i'll say that i'll say that for the very end of the podcast this is a lima bean game man long time <laughs> listeners will know my tarantino in person okay eric uh when you come over if you if you come over uh this week to pick up your package the i do have some cake if you want some so just gonna throw that out there too. He just wants what? to smell it. My what? birthday was on my birthday <laughs> no. was on my birthday was on Sunday, and I do have some cake. It so. was it was happy belated <laughs> birthday. And uh, what time is it now? Okay, <laughs> eight fifty two. If you, <laughs> you want to come over, if you want to start driving, uh, we'll we'll do the rest of this uh, on the phone for you. Yeah. Okay. So I watched a lot of this defense, and I'm gonna tell you that the coverage that the Seahawks are running right now is broken, uh, and it is. I, it is not any individual players' fault. Tampa. This is a systems error. Uh, the the 
pass rush actually looked decent, but they blitzed too much. And I, I don't know why they blitzed so much because they were creating so much. Pre- they were, were creating pressure even when they didn't blitz. So it makes me wonder like what's the value in that? Like Rasheem Rasheem Green had a really good pressure up the middle. Couldn't finish the sack. That's a problem with that you're gonna run into when you play Josh Allen, though, right? Josh Allen is a statue and <laughs> it's pretty hard to take a statue down uh with by your by yourself, you know. Yeah, he's not a, a statue like Rob Johnson where like he just doesn't move to avoid hits. He's a statue as in you are hitting like five hundred pounds of cement. Yeah, and so so the statue Josh Allen is where we're struggling to take him down, but we're getting pressure on him. We're making him hurry up the play, but the the secondary just like okay, let's just check the first touchdown. Okay, I'm gonna just to talk about this play. Do you guys remember the first touchdown of the game? Was that McKenzie oh, yeah. in the corner? Yeah, McKenzie. So Dunbar gets um they run two guys at Dunbar. Dunbar first of all, just, Dunbar was on a pogo stick all game because he only yeah, had one leg. Dunbar is hurt. That he look, his movement was terrible in this game. He should not have played. the co- The coaching staff needs to step in there and do something. That is their job. Okay, this should have been Lyndon Stevens all game. And I, I I'm not going to say Lyndon Stevens would have been great, but he would have been better than one leg Quentin Dunbar. Okay, that's that's an embarrassment. The Seahawks should be ashamed of themselves for doing that. But not only that, they make Quentin Dunbar look bad in a contract year too. You know, it's like and they're risking him for re-entry. This is so many reasons not to have Quentin Quentin Dunbar playing right there. Yeah, but. Beyond that, beyond that, and actually Trey Flowers, not that bad in this game. Decent. Not good, not bad. Just Trey Flowers. It was like a that was like a regular Trey Flowers game. I was like, Yeah, it was like right. a last year Trey Flowers game where you're like, like there were a couple times where you're kind of frustrated, but he looked like a functioning NFL defensive no, back. Yeah, you're like normal player. He could this could be okay. Um but Quentin Dunbar, uh he they run digs at him and they run they run the other guy behind him. And so he passes uh he passes him off to to Quandre and Quandre is just like way too slow to, to pick him up. And I think that this is kind of, and, the, and that play is indicative of kind of the whole system back there is that these guys are not communicating. Well, it's a mess all over the place. That screenplay where Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams are both underneath and Ooh. Jamal's rushing in and, and Bobby's not picking up the guy. Those, those are things that when the defense is clicking, one guy's covering that screen and one guy, you know what I mean? The, the, those things are clicking, right? Those yeah, things there's are, that guy standing right next to the screen ready to harass him. Exactly. The ball. Yeah. When, when, Quandre, when when Dunbar decides to pass off Quan, to Quandre there and then and stay with Stefan Diggs on the on the curl, that that play, you know, that is uh, that's that's clicking. Quandre knows exactly. Quandre's like, all right, this guy's coming. I know uh, he's also looking in the peak in the backfield. Josh Allen never takes his eyes off the left side of the field. So he knows he doesn't have to worry about the right side of the field at all. He knows that he could just cover this side of the field. So when the guy comes over into his zone, he's like, oh, awesome. Perfect. I'll just run with this guy. Easy money. No, he just, he slow to react. And then, and then he's getting burned. So all these things are there. This is a systems thing. This has nothing to do with the individual talents on the field. And so a lot of times I think like, when people really ride the coaches, when they ride Ken Norton Jr., when they do that, I think they're overreacting because you football players have to make fo- football plays, right? Like the, I know it's stupid. I know that's like a like a total football guy thing to say, but these guys are lining up way off the ball, and uh, and Pete has said like, oh, I give guys leeway to to in in his interviews to line up. I have no reason not to believe him, but I'm starting not to believe him. I'm starting to believe that Ken Norton is putting these guys in position to fail, and at this point. I have no reason not to believe that that this is all on him. And and Pete either needs to step in and and run his defense and make sure that things are clicking or something, because otherwise this is going to continue. This problem will continue. There's this ain't going to fix itself. These guys are yeah. a mess on the back end. This back end of this defense is a, is a mess. 
It's a total mess. The back seven. And it seven. was crazy because they were running a ton of man. They had a bunch of man coverage looks, and it was kind of hard, honestly, at times to tell it was man coverage because well, the cushions were so big. They ran they ran one third man with uh, Jamal Adams on the field, and uh, this is from Sports Info to SAS. But in this last game, it was up. Man was yeah. up last week, and I and I'm like, and man was up because they were blitzing so much. Right. And that's what I'm trying to say is, so you're going to run a man coverage and you're going to blitz. And oftentimes they were rushing six. They were blitzing two bodies uh, a lot more often than normally what you get, which again was a little surprising because I felt like the defensive line was playing a lot better and that shows in the pressure numbers. But with Dunlap on there, the defensive line's playing better. We're still rushing six. We're playing man, but we're playing man off by like eight to 13 yards. Well, we have these long-armed, you know, lever- leverage corners. And when you blitz, what do you really want to do? You want to make sure to occupy the routes, bump them off of it, and disrupt timing. Because on a blitz, you're looking at trying to get to the quarterback before 2.5 seconds. You're trying to speed up what a four-man rush is expected to do. If it's over three seconds, you expect your four-man rush to get there anyway. So if you're blitzing, you're trying to do it faster than that. So why would you leave so much buffer for the receiver to work if you're trying to get in there and make the sack early. So the coverage scheme and the blitz scheme don't mesh as far as I can tell. There's there's just, like you said, it's a systemic issue where like players are making mistakes and shooting the wrong gaps, and there's some of that. But the overall, it's just the way that the defense is playing from a scheme and an individual performance perspective just doesn't really match up. We we blitzed uh, twenty eight times uh, of on Josh Allen's forty eight dropbacks. Okay, that's a lot that's of blitz. Lot. That's a lot of blitzing. That's a lot of bringing five or more guys, um, and a lot of it was bringing Bobby, bringing Jamal, bringing these guys from the uh, from the next level. Okay, from the from even the the deep level. Okay, when blitzed in this game, Josh Allen was sacked three times and went nineteen for twenty four, seventy nine point two percent. 259 yards and two touchdowns when not blitzed 12 for 14, 156 yards. That's 86% completion percentage and a touchdown Four sacks Four sacks when not blitzed. So we got four of the seven sacks when he was not blitzed, but it didn't matter if we were blitzing or not. This guy was tearing us apart because the back end of our defense is a mess. Even when we didn't blitz, he's finding room to make all of these short and intermediate passes. And it wasn't like normal Josh Allen stuff. Josh Allen went four for seven on deep passes, but he also on intermediate passes went nine, went nine for 11 on short passes of 10 yards or less. Okay. This is like Josh Allen, no zone. He went 14 for 15 because these guys are wide effing open. It doesn't matter. You, you, if Josh Allen can throw it to a huge area because there's no one within 10 feet of a guy, then it's easy for him. We made it way too easy for Josh Allen. We did not make his life difficult at all. And that that was part of the problem. And I think like the Seahawks in their head, they like, were like, we blitzed last week and it was successful. So this week we're going to come out and we're just going to blitz like crazy. And it it's like, this is a different team, man. Buffalo is different than the we team we that's- played. We know that's fool's gold too. That's that's someone who doesn't do their homework. That's someone that sees the immediate results and says, "Okay, we're having success here. We're going to redo it without really looking at everything we had." Yeah. I we blitzed. 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry. We blitzed Jimmy Garoppolo and thought, hey, the lesson here is that we just need to blitz all the time. It's Jimmy freaking Garoppolo. Like, give me a break. It's just so frustrating. It's so frustrating to watch this team. Um, the adjustments from week to week and even and and half to half are so poor. Well, the, the sad thing was after the game, you know, Pete admitted that yeah, we didn't we did not expect this game plan from them. We were really shocked that they avoided the run. Like, who do you think they were going to run against? You guys have a decent run defense, and they have poor running backs. Talk about playing checkers while the other people are playing chess. Yes, right? well, absolutely. Not, mention, uh, not only do we have a pretty stout uh, run defense and a porous passing defense. But also, outside of last week in a bad weather game against New England, it's not like uh, Buffalo was running the ball a ton. They were uh, they were a pretty pass-heavy offense outside of, you know, a weather blip. So yeah. what scouting were they doing? There, there's an Again, this is like kind of a baffling coaching thing. Like, that means that the prep and the install for the week was off. I don't know if they overthought it or what. Well, yeah, they definitely overthought it. And and the thing is, is that, you know, they were mildly in this game. They had chances to, to finish the comeback. But over and over, we killed ourselves with, uh, one, the defense just could not get off the field. It doesn't. If you get a sack, you need to follow that up by tightening the screws and not giving up a 19-yard play or a 21-yard play for a first down. And the over and over again, we'd have a good play followed up by a horrible play. We'd have a good play. We'd have a good play followed up by Jamal Adams not able to turn his hips, just tripping a guy instead. You know, it's like these kind of things. It was just ridiculous how how poorly uh, this defense played and how unprepared they seemed. Bright spots, though. The defensive line looks pretty solid now. Dunlap is a huge addition. Three sacks, five well, he's in on three sacks. I'm using the pro football focus definition of a sack here, but he's in on three sacks. He has five total pressures, four run stops. The guy's the real deal. He just didn't, he obviously, you know, the Bengals went young. They kind of pushed him out and uh, he still had quite a bit left in the tank. Jaron Reed looked good in on three sacks, four run stops as well. Uh, Puna Ford had three pressures. This looks like a defensive line. Rasheem Green coming back off the injury, Kevin. You were, I know you're a Rasheem Green truther. You love those eyebrows. Two, two pressures. <laughs> he looked and he looked solid playing inside and out. They played him a little at DT, which I really like. That's a fun look. Yep. Jaron Reed got to play more DT. He wasn't getting those defensive end snaps that we don't want to see. Correct. And I think this defense just looked the, the the defensive line was not the weakness this week. It was the back seven could not was not communicating well, did not look good. Um really now, like, Eric, important thing. What do you feel about Carlos Dunlap getting forty three? I mean, how'd you feel about that number? <laughs> Carlos Dunlap was uh, was my lone bright spot in this game. Uh, everything, but jersey number forty three on a D end. I I'm I'm going to totally ignore that and assume it is a number he requested. Because as the lone bright spot, uh, maybe that's the magic number that he got I mean, and that we needed. <laughs> is there a number in the nineties even left? Like, are, are all the nineties numbers taken? Like Does it have a, to be a number in the nineties? Well, what else, what would you want? What other number would you want him to I wear? I think Blitz has double zero, so that's out. Like anyone? I, I feel like uh, okay. So ni- ninety is okay. Nineties Jaron Reed. Ninety one is Collier. Ninety two is Monet. Ninety three is Ballard. Ninety four is Sheem Green. Ninety five is Mayoa. 
Okay, ninety six. He could take he could have taken ninety six. So which is sixty nine backwards, even better. Uh, <laughs> ninety six was the one because then uh, ninety seven is Puna, and then ninety eight is Alton, and ninety nine is Demontre Moore. Although Demontre Moore suspended, so maybe he could have taken ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine would look good on him, and he could just take LJ Collier's number. For maybe he doesn't. 96. Maybe he doesn't like ninety six though. Maybe he's just like ugh, ninety six. It's Ew. a special number. It, he, he, was the, he was the only Actually, guy playing chess on the field. Do you know what number he wore in Cincinnati? Hmm. Ninety six. Uh, <laughs> maybe he's trying to get away from it. Wow. Maybe he's like, maybe he's like, screw ninety six. I hate ninety six. New start. All my homies hate 96. It's going to be a new day. <laughs> Get 96 out of here. Okay, that makes more that makes perfect sense to me. That's why he didn't take 96. He doesn't he's trying to turn over a new leaf here. I'm all into right. it now. 43 is the number. I love it. Okay. Uh Bobby was all right in this game except for one time he was chasing uh Stefan Diggs and that is an embarrassment for our defense and uh just a just a perfect microcosm of like kind of what's going on. Uh Jordan uh, tra- Brooks looked very competent. Yeah, but he barely he didn't play that much. I I will say this: I thought we looked good with three linebackers on the field. A bad sign, just in general, uh, for for twenty twenty NFL. Uh, <laughs> a bad sign when that's the look that I felt like looked good. Uh, same as last year. Trey was average. DJ Reed was average. Quentin Dunbar was horrible. Um, perhaps the worst player on the field. Um, I did not. I did Adam not really. Rusty. What was yeah, his PFF score? Trey Dunbar. Dunbar? Dunbar, yeah. Sorry. 28.1. That's high. That's high. <laughs> 28 <laughs> so low. That's yeah, Adams for him. Adams looked like he was shaking off the rust. I mean, he did have a sack, but sacks, but I just I didn't feel like Jamal looked great out there, especially in coverage. In coverage, he looked lost. And that just a we need our back end to really gel if this is going to be a defense that can even be the 20th best defense in the league, you know? The back end is have that many problems handing off. Like again, how many times in zone did we see two people covering the same person? Yeah, the same person or or two guys like kind of both being indecisive and getting split. You know, it's just there there's there's a level of like trust and decisiveness you need to play. You need to play together in this this kind of defense. You know, you need to know what the other guys are gonna do. And right now everyone just the install is just a mess. The install is a total mess and there there's no PN Norton need to be accountable for that, and they're the problem. And uh, we'll see if they can fix it. And Pete has a long track record of being a very successful defensive coach, but that doesn't change the fact that this season went sideways, and something needs to be done. Like, yeah. yep, defensive line looked pretty good that game. Tell me the game this season where our whole defense looked good. It doesn't exist, no. And That's I think you're probably looking at maybe two more losses in the next two to four weeks before you'll get any traction with something getting done in regards to Norton. I think the talent level is high enough that this could come together really quickly. That's the thing. The yeah, we talent against some really bad teams if where a... it, there's some, there's some get right games, right? Like once we get, we have LA and then we have uh, the Cardinals again, but then we have Eagles, Giants, Jets, football team. Like that's a stretch you can get right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, there's, a, there's, right there. there's. I mean, I don't, I don't think that it's unreasonable to expect us to compete for the division still. But the, if you want to make a Super Bowl run, you need to see some. Uh, you need to see some changes. We need to see some progression on defense. Uh, this, 
you can't. We are the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs right now. We are. I, I've kind of. We kind of said it at the beginning of the year. You know, this is we're Chiefs. We're Chiefs West, and it, it's really we are 27, 2018 Kansas City Chiefs just giving up a, a million points. 24th best defense in the league that year for the Chiefs. The first best offense. Just a, a shootout every week. Uh, losing games they probably should win, winning games that they probably have no business winning, and flaming out in the playoffs because you know they run into a team that actually has a good game plan. That's that's probably our destiny at this point. So unless what I'm the hearing defense. is next year Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, we're not very many defensive pieces away from being a Super Bowl contender, no, or just these guys that are currently on the team all being healthy enough to play and playing together. I do think cornerback is the clear weakness right now, though. If I yep. if you made me decide, like, what's the clear weakness of this team? It's cornerback. That was supposed to be our huge strength. Yeah, we'd improve, we'd improved cornerback. Quentin Dunbar's coming in, and now we have Griffin and Griffin at full strength, and Trey Flowers is our backup, which is like, that's a really solid backup. Now it's like Trey Flowers and who's going to be the other guy across from him? Lyndon Stevens, Stevens, DJ Reed. Uh, that we're in, that's true. Yeah, Ugo might be back, so then it'd be Ugo, and then Reed is playing on the outside, and that's that's better than like I think that would be the, dragging a limb, but that's not as good as a starter. I do think that DJ Reed would be like the shortest, the shortest cornerback starter of the Pete Carroll era. I don't uh, out, for outside. Do we start out, Coleman outside? For a couple I, I do not think so. I think he played some snaps there, but I don't think he started a full game there. And DJ Reed's 5'9". So how tall How tall is Justin Coleman? I think Coleman was 5'11". Yeah, Justin Coleman is 5'11". Yeah. So so DJ Reed, would if he starts outside this week, he'd be like the shortest cornerback I feel like Pete's ever started, which means, which means he's not going to trust him to bump, which means he's going to be lining up like 11 yards off, just given all the room. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, can't so frustrating. Room than uh, last uh, last week. Just have those guys cover the. Have f- them line up outside the stadium. He's just gonna sit in the first first row. I think we nearly help. need. We really need to play like three high, two high. Like we need to really get back to our roots a little bit. Rush yeah. four guys. Play two high, three high. Uh, like really get back to playing let the Adam original Seahawks. Let let Alton Robinson, Benson Mayo, Dunlap, Green. Puna Ford, Jaron Reed, let these guys work up front. They're not the depth. Our defensive line is not a weakness anymore with Dunlap. It's not, it's just not. And we don't need to protect them by blitzing 28 times in one game. Yep. They're officially they, an average defensive line. We don't need to babysit this defensive line anymore. I, I understand wanting to use Adams in the box to attack. And I think that doing that is fine, but we need to treat him like he's the line, like he's the third linebacker, not like he's the, does that make sense? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and no, put, and, that's a vent. And put him in the game as the third linebacker and play Ryan Neal and Quandre Diggs behind him so we can still play two high, three high. Or, you know, we can still play like that. That's that's the kind of game plan the Seahawks need to install this week if they want to be serious about making this defense work. Against well, right now we're playing single high safety with Diggs, who's honestly struggling a bit in that role this year. And communication does go a big way in that. But then our dudes are playing bailout coverage on the outside to such an extent that we're basically playing single high quarters. Mm-hmm. And again, y'all know how we feel about quarters defense. Yeah, and there was a lot of quarters worst. this week with how, how far Dunbar was playing out. Every look looked like quarters. It's just, it's so bad because the way that the, those cornerbacks, I mean, they're just, it gives them free, free reign to just run short play, short play, short, you know, and it's, 
Well, any decent offense is just going, okay, sell the go, and as soon as they bail, hit the dig. And so you're just getting these 8- to 12-yard dig routes over and over and over again with ease. Yeah, it's it's just it's rough right now. It's, I, it's like a systemic I said, issue. It's the systems issue. It's the the problem is the problem is the system. Can we so, move on to cake now? Can I can I talk a little bit about what what to expect from the Seahawks defense this week though? Of course. Sean Sean McVay has faced the Seahawks. Okay, Sean McVay has faced the Seahawks uh, six times so far. Um, and in those games, the Seahawks have held Sean McVay under thirty points. How many times? Uh, once. Once that is cor- that is correct. Give That's that awful. man Ooh. a prize. Actually, they scored twenty nine and twenty eight. So so actually, it's three times twenty eight, twenty nine, four, thirty, thirty one. I'm gonna count it though, Kevin. I don't care because I I should have said twenty eight or more for the quiz question. We we held them to ten once the first time, and that was it. I really do not. This defense needs to look like a different defense if we're gonna have to. I don't want to have to outrun them again because we saw last game. Russ is starting to press and it's starting to press too much. And he, he had a four turnovers in the last game. And, you know, we started to see the, the way it can crumble for us. If we have to press, if the offense has to press too hard, how the Rams are relying on their run game. That's a big part of their offense, but McVay's a good enough coach where he knows that he could just take advantage of us in the past game. He's going to make that happen. Yeah, McVay's just going to come out and they're going to play 11 personnel or 12 personnel with one running back and Everett and uh and uh who's there the really good tight end Higby and they're going to they're going to look they're going to give us these looks that are really difficult for the defense that's currently playing to defend. They're going to really struggle to defend those looks and so um it's worrying. It's worrying to me to to face the Rams this week. But we'll get a little bit more of that later. Let's talk about the Seahawks offense. Uh can we start with tight end? Because Hollister, five for yeah. six, 60 yards, uh, uh, four first downs. Jacob Hollister, man, I'm in, looking good. Looking man, good, Hollister Jacob Hollister. Is, he's the guy that everyone said, like, oh, this, they have an extra tight end. Hollister is probably the odd man out if, you know, if Olsen really kicks it up or, you know, Disley and Olsen really click. Hollister is that guy that we've always wanted. He's better Luke Wilson. He can kind of block. He can run his routes. He catches the ball. He doesn't drop the ball. He'll he'll do that this week now that I've said it. But I love Hollister. Always. He's very mobile. Like, yeah. as dumb as that sounds, he just has really good mobility um, that allows him to kind of play that hybrid, like, Chris Cooley H-back role. Yeah, and I think he's he's very you know he can move he can play on the you could put him you know in the in the slot or on the outside you can put him in line and he's still going to be effective no matter where you put him disley just looks kind of um unsure is as the word i would use when he's running out there disley just doesn't i think it's you know he's coming back from a lot of injuries so. and he can still catch and rumble like that catch and run was really nice and he's mm-hmm. gotten loose a few times this season I wonder if they're just trying to bring him back slowly so he can kind of find. Yeah, his yeah, like they're not sending him deep like they did the first two seasons. I feel like this game, he, this game, he, there was identical twins. There was a reduction in Disley snaps this week. I mean, last week he played fifty-eight. This week he played thirty-six. And I don't, I don't know if that was like a game plan dependent thing or if that was just. Uh, I like I said, I feel like he's he's running a little bit unsure, and maybe they're like, hey, let's ease it up on on Uncle Bill and kind of make sure he's. You know, we don't overwork him. We don't get it because 
because no Hollister again. Hollister was the beneficiary of that of the of all the snaps that Disley lost. He would he gained them. He found them. I guess is what I would say. Uh, DK another great game. Seven for seven for nine. Uh, seven receptions on nine targets. One hundred and eight yards. Got the late touchdown. Looked really mad when he got it too, which I really like. It shows I love when guys. A lot of people will be like, "Oh, that's you know." He's just. I hate when guys are sore losers. I like it. I want my guys to want to win. Um, one hundred percent. So, uh, I love that fire. Like I said, David at the um, at the top of the podcast, David Moore is looking more and more like a, just a real solid third option in this offense. A guy that we can totally trust to, you know, handle that that third wide receiver role in this in this system. Yeah, the, the, is Dorsett going to be back? Uh, Dorsett, the, he had foot <laughs> surgery, and now and now it's like I have a feeling that might be like a secret playoff weapon thing, and I'm fine with that. To be honest with you, he, like I said, I think he's a perfect. I've said this all year. He's a perfect match for this offense. Him running speed routes in the slot is going to be killer with Russell Wilson, and so like just him splitting safeties is going to Russell find him over the top when he does yeah. that. And then that's that's what he's good at. He's really good at running and you know, on the speed routes, uh, speed routes in the slot, splitting safeties. That's that's Dorsett's bread and butter. So I'm hoping he comes back, but he had the foot surgery uh, to clean up the issue. And it, it seems like one of those things where they thought it would heal and it didn't. And so then he had to get surgery and then really he should have got surgery like a long time ago. So now he's going to be out yeah. for five or six more weeks. And it's like, but really he could have only been out for five weeks. And initially if they just would have pulled off the bandaid and got the surgery, it, it sucks. It's one of those situations where, you know, injury management goes wrong. And uh, between that a and uh, Goodell decided to Pete Rose, uh, Gordon, yeah, Josh Gordon would be, it would be excellent to have him back. I mean, I don't even know how much we need Josh Gordon at this point. I feel like he's pretty samey with David Moore. Uh, Josh Gordon looks like he kind of lost a step over the last couple of years, but I don't know. He's still buff and he, he has really good hands. Josh Gordon. I feel Josh- like some of the downfield stuff that we ran with Swain against Buffalo are throws. I would have rather seen go to Gordon. Oh yeah, absolutely. Swain still is struggling to make plays downfield. He's more of a catch and run guy. Yes. Swain train is great, but yeah, I don't, I want to see him catching like a, like fly screens and uh, bubble screens and tunnel, tunnel, tunnel passes and stuff. Dregs. Yeah. Uh, Greg Olson got in for two for three. He looks old. That's all I'm going to say about that. I like, I like Greg Olson though. He's a good, he's a good player. I think this tight ends group is uh, solid across the board and I'm, I'm, I want to see them get a little more usage, but this week is pretty close to what I would want. Uh, 10 total targets seven receptions between all of them, right? About a hundred yards receiving. That's, that's, I think, I think that's a good, like a uh, group effort for this tight ends group. That's, that's kind of where I want to see them at every week. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if some of the shallow routes going to running backs right now, maybe started going a little deeper to tight ends, mm-hmm. but I can't really hold that against them too much. I, I think, yeah, I, I think the tight end group's being used pretty nicely. All right, Eric, let's talk about a, a, a position group that might have been a difference maker this week. How much did the Seahawks miss Chris Carson? Oh, I mean, come on. This is uh, Chris Carson. Is he in a contract year before I go any further? Yes. Yes. Right? Okay. So I didn't know if he was going to be a guy that we'd be overpaid by someone else or, you know, maybe a little overpaid by us. But with all the injuries, it kind of makes you wonder if this is his last ride here. Uh, this is a guy we depend on, he's our workhorse. And it'd be nice to have a one-two punch with, say, him and uh, DJ Dallas or maybe the 
the Rashad Penny that we were teased a few uh, moments of last year. Rashad Penny, supposedly, uh, Pete Carroll talk, very close to coming back. That's going to be five or six weeks. Yes. But... <laughs> see, you in, see you in the last game of the season, Rashad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, yeah, it's it's huge. This is Our offense identity is caught up in let Russ cook in the mainstream. But our real offense identity is Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the game. We have a killer receiving core, a killer tight end core, a great blocking crew, and a run game that will wear you down and score points. And we yeah, can't and that, do that. And the th- problem is, is that like our run game, it doesn't need to be high volume anymore because we can get, we can use the volume passing attack, right? Mm-hmm. But our running game needs to be available to get us third and one, right? Yeah. That's that's what we need the run game for now. Isn't and that so sad? This this run game that we had this week was not the run game that if could get you to pound a third the middle and one. with Travis Homer, you you lost. It's so that sad. We, it was like a rehash of the Arizona game, the other loss, where we just need some yards. We just need some some gimme yards. You can see any team in the NFL get this through sneaks, screens, uh, power runs. We are getting stuffed. Right, third third and one in the in the red zone. Uh, we try. We uh we hand it to Homer. He get, gets tackled. Fourth and short. Seahawks decide to go because I think we're down fourteen nothing at the time, right? Yeah. And uh and Seahawks decide to go, which I think is the right call. Yep. Uh, but you know, in that situation, you know, if we have Carson, Carson run is an option on both of those plays, third and one and fourth and one. Uh, when stopping both is going to be rare because yeah, I mean the offensive line is good, mm-hmm. and yeah. if they get and Carson can thump somebody in the hole. And the thing is, you don't have to run. You don't have to run on either of those plays. You could just do play action rust boot on both of them. I'm fine with that. That's a good play call. That you need the other team to have a little bit of respect for the run. And when Travis Homer's the running back, they do not. Yep. Well, <laughs> it's just the it's just them's the facts. Them's the shakes. DJ Dallas know. and Travis Homer and Alex Collins do not demand <laughs> the re- do not demand the respect of a Chris Carson of a Carlos Hyde of a. Rashad Penny. I had no in- idea Alex Collins was going to be activated for this game until the game happened. I looked in the Discord and I was like, "What? Really?" Oh, he had to be because we were so low on bodies. <sighs> yeah, but you wanted, you wanted more. Nick, you wanted you wanted more Nick Belor runs, didn't you? I was I was actually going to say this a second ago. We all know how much we hate Nick Belor, but I would have rather seen Nick Belor than Travis Homer on that run. Oh, absolutely. Because I want to yeah, see what he can do. What happened that Homer couldn't thump? And like, Travis Homer does this all the time. Travis Homer is just a pass blocker. I mean, that's all he's that's all he's on the team for at this well, he point. He can make the edge, and he's like, and he can catch a screen. He can do some stuff like in space or over the edge. He just he can't pound it up the middle. It's just not that's not his skill set. Yeah, it's a frustrating week for Seahawks football to say the least. Uh, the run, like I said, the we just need. And, and Eric, I think you you we you were hammering it too. We need a red game that can threaten to to pick up those those freebies, you know. Yeah. That can threaten to pick up those those first downs when we need it. I mean, you know, and it, we, Russ actually got a sneak in this game, which is like that was amazing. Amazing. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That might I think that was his first sneak touchdown, and uh, that's the kind of stuff that we wouldn't need to do if we had Chris Carson. We wouldn't have to risk it on the Russ sneak. That being um, said, if we lose this game in order to figure out that yes, you can do a QB sneak and it can work, maybe all right, it's probably, worth. Um, all right, let's <laughs> let's talk about the the pass blocking. I think the pass blocking in this game was really effing good. My boy, uh, 
the Lewis, Lewis, Shell, Brown, even Posich, and uh, I mean just everyone. This is a good. This is a Jordan Simmons. This is a good blocking team, man. This team can block. I would say that all of the sacks or all but one of the sacks were really Russ on Russ this time. Russ was. Uh, on Russ or the play call, basically. He, he did. He did it. He did it. One of his classic. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna keep dropping back farther. Russ plays this week, and I was like, man, I thought we were done with that. I thought that was. I thought you put that in the past. Watch some Aaron Rodgers tape. You just got to throw it out of bounds eight thousand feet. It's, it's not that. It's not that this, hard. This was a classic bad Russ game in a lot. Of, in a lot of ways. I think you're right, Kevin. Like he still got his 390 yards, nine and a half yards per attempt, two touchdowns. But this is a pretty classic rest game: four sacks, two interceptions. Um, the fumble yeah. where the fumble where the, uh, where he took it away from him, like he was Russ's dad. Yes. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, dude! That that is like that is like ultimate. Like, oh man, he just got sunned by that guy. Like yeah, Russell way to go Will- by AJ Klein. If you knew who AJ Klein was before this game, congratulations, AJ Klein's mom, for listening to our podcast. Yeah, it's it was um yeah he got he got totally sunned by AJ Klein. Pretty rough. Uh, Iowa State Cyclone himself. Okay, I'm I'm a I uh, I don't want to talk very much more about this game. I want to I want to move the turn the page and talk about how we can beat the Rams. Fair. Do you guys you guys uh, go okay with that? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Dixon, Dixon and Meyer are still really good. How about that? Uh, we have really good special teams. And um, let me, we, I talked about this uh, on the top. We're going to have a hard time slowing down this Rams offense. This Rams offense always scores 28, 29, 31, 33 points against us. I think that in this car- incarnation of the Seahawks offense, the best we can hope for is 35-ish. And so it's going to be up to Russ and the offense to really I put it on. The leap, you know, put it on. It's it's gonna need it's gonna take a lot. That this if this this secondary has talent, okay. Wagner, Wright, Diggs, Adams, okay. These guys are good football players. They're no joke. These guys can put it together, but it's up to the coaches to put them in a position to succeed. And right now, they're just not doing that. The coach, the coaching staff is not doing that. I do think that, like we said, Kevin, the defensive line looks a lot better, and so I do expect us to put some pressure on Goff, try to make his life difficult. Um, and on the offensive side of the football, man, I'm excited to see. There's two matchups that are really awesome in this game for Seahawks offense. Okay. Damian Lewis versus Aaron Donald, the rookie, the phenom, Damian Lewis against the quite possibly oh. the goat, the goat DT, right? Aaron Definitely Donald. The best in the game now and possibly the, the best in the game ever. Yeah. It, he's on that trajectory, right? He's on the trajectory. Not many guys win multiple DPOIs, right? He's on the trajectory to be one, one of the goats, if not the goat. And Damian Lewis is going to get to go head to head with him. And I'm pumped about that matchup because I think Damian Lewis is the kind of guy he'll have some bad plays because it's Aaron Donald, but he can hold his own man. And we're going to get to see what this kid is really made of. That's exciting. DeKalen Metcalf against Jalen Ramsey. Oh boy. I want to see DK. I want to see DK Metcalf wipe his butt with, uh, with, with Jalen Ramsey (laughs) the same way he did with Stephon Gilmore. Okay. I want to see And him. honestly, if we win the game, it might be just fueled by DK's anger and desire to show that he can do that to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this, the right. The Rams have a, a glaring weakness though. Their offense is pretty good. Their defense is pretty good, but they have a glaring weakness. Their special teams is not good. They have had trouble in the kicking game this year. They're, Hunter Johnny Hecker is solid, but their kicking game is not good. The Seahawks can can try to use 
you know, this is this is where we can kind of get an advantage here. They're nine for 13 combined on kicks. They have used two kickers this year, Samuel Sloman and Kai Forbath. We can we can try to get an advantage there. Uh, eking out that special teams advantage is going to be huge. Their defense, you know, it's really about slowing down Aaron Donald. Their Aaron Donald is really good. The rest of the defense is good to, you know, not good. But, you know, they don't have – even Jalen Ramsey hasn't had a great season this year. He's been solid but not spectacular. Aaron Donald is the the key. You know, you got to slow that guy down. He has 48 pressures from the interior this year with 10 sacks and 31 hurries. Which this is, is stupid. This is stupid. Interior players should not be able to do this. I think this is <laughs> you can't overstate how good this guy is. Okay. It's insane how much pressure he creates from the inside like this. And they move him around a little bit to try to create matchups. And I do think they're going to give him a lot of time over the rookie, which is why I'm excited about that for their offense. Okay. Their running back Darrell Henderson has looked real good in limited time this year. Their offensive line, Andrew Whitworth found the fountain of youth, man. He looks like good Andrew Whitworth again, and he's freaking 39 years old. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what our, our revamped defensive line can do against an offensive line that I, I kind of respect, you know, I will say the interior of their offensive line is kind of sus. And I think we could see like don't I wouldn't be surprised if Puna and Jaron have a have themselves a bit of a game against the inside. Kevin, of the, the Kevin, you've been playing line. you've been playing too much Among Us right there. <laughs> playing too much with the, with the sus call, uh, uh, but I but I agree in the in the past game you can you can kind of pick on the interior of their defensive line. And is uh, Snacks coming back for this? Or, 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 I'm sorry, is he coming in for this game? It seems like seems like Monet seems like Monet's out, which I think was is the the window that Snacks needed to get into the the lineup. Yeah, Brian Monet looks like he's going to miss the game with an ankle, and uh, as Al Michaels would put it, <laughs> so yes. so uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Snacks coming in. You want some so bad news? Pete, he's got an ankle thing. You want to? I mean, they could go a different direction. <laughs> we got we got other defensive tackles on the uh, on the practice squad. They could go like Cedric Lattimore, but I don't think that's what they'll do. Just gonna throw that out there, uh, Eric. You wanna want some bad news about this game? Oh, you know, let's start with the bad news. Okay, the announcers are Troy Aikman and Joe uh, Buck. Is that <laughs> better or worse than when we had Stink? Yeah, it's we've had it's bad better announcing. Than stink. Well, Russell Wilson, he's been known as a running quarterback, so I, he's I, kind of the guy that really needs to lead this running game. The thing is, I really like Joe Buck. But Aikman is so bad. Joe Buck he's, is an enabler, and what he's being given to enable <laughs> is something no one wants. Well, it's because it's his friend. It's like it's that's his dog. He's. He I think whoever you put him with, that's the way it is. Joe Buck seems like the kind of guy who just people like, and so whoever he's put with, he's gonna like that person. That person's gonna like him. He's like, I'm just gonna serve you up on a silver platter. Well, unfortunately, like poop on a silver platter is still a platter of poop. Hey, yeah. Kevin, as long as. Aikman. As long as his cohort isn't Randy Moss. Aikman is living proof that (laughs) CTE is actually a thing. Okay. That's, that's what Aikman is. He's, he's a six foot tall human CTE. And so I'm, I'm over, I'm over, uh, I don't want Aikman to ever be in our games. If it was like Romo and Buck, I feel like I would just be like so excited because like I said, I like Joe Buck. I think he's a solid announcer, but Kevin's right. He just kind of rolls with whoever he's with. He's not, he's not gonna, um, 
you know, rock the boat like that. It's just not his style. He's pretty easy. Seems pretty easy going other than getting addicted to hair plugs. Seems like a pretty easy going guy. <laughs> that's, like a re- that's a real story, by the way. The reason he lost his voice was because he was addicted to hair plugs. I I, got, I, I really want to figure out what the correspondence between those two things is. Yeah. And how a dick hair plugs on his tongue? No. Like, so basically, basically he did hair plugs and he got an infection. And then the infection, like part of the side effects was that like it messes with your vocal cords. And so then he like, couldn't, he couldn't do like a full football game. He could like, he could, he could have done it for like a half. You know what I mean? But like, he couldn't. I like how you said he did hair plugs. Like he did like heroin. <laughs> well, he <laughs> doesn't do it. Bus, doesn't, doesn't do him anymore. All right. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, rock and roll into picks. Um, I think the Seahawks defense is just a little too uh, weak still. So I'm going to go 38 to 35 Rams. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Um, 35, 27 Rams. Uh, I think it's going to be a big time shootout and I'm going with 43 37 Rams. I like okay. that. Long time listeners know what we just did. So, uh, all right. In the, the, uh, in the if, essence though, I do think the Seahawks have a path to victory here. I just want to make that clear. It's just a, this is a, this is a tough one. It's tough that we have a, a really great offensive mind coming in to pick apart a defense that doesn't seem to be able to adjust week to week. And so we'll see what, we'll see what happens, but I expect points. Like Evan said, I expect points. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so is head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, make sure to get in the Discord. That's what you really want. You want to join the group chat, make your voice heard, talk to all the all the people. Uh, on Sunday, we watch the group, watch the game together. It's a great time. Uh, thank you to the new Patreons for November. Greta, Nathan, Clinton, and Dave. Thanks for supporting the Seahawks Nest podcast. Really helps us out. Makes me uh, happy. Uh, thank you to our longtime Patreons. That would be Brett, Cooper, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Bob, Flocktimus, Keith, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Michelle, Mike, Richard, Sebastian, and Warwolf. You guys really help us out. You guys make us keep us going. Uh, also, keep the lights on. You know, help me pay for things like Pro Football Focus. What's what's it called? Elite Edge. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> Whatever the expensive one. <laughs> whenever it hits my credit card every year i'm like oh yeah i forgot about that one yeah so it's like it's like a week before christmas too so it's extra brutal Uh, (laughs) so yeah um it's it's good times though the patreon helps me out with that though helps me keep keep it uh keep it all in order thanks you guys so much for supporting the show if you don't have any money you want to support the show give us five stars uh check us out uh on your favorite podcast manager make sure to subscribe and all that good stuff all right the movie club this week uh kevin watched some found footage movies we started talking about found footage movies and we thought you know what let's make a fave five let's make a fave five for found footage movies usually what we would do that five usually what we do this week is uh, i would take over movie club uh because this week was my birthday um but the only thing i could come up with was chow yun fat eliminator and i was like Chow Yun Fat Eliminator is not fair to anyone but me. I'm going to be making every elimination until like the last four movies where these guys will actually have an opinion. That's not true. I mean, Kevin will be like, I can't eliminate these movies because I've seen them. So I'll just eliminate the ones I have not seen. 
Well, you could probably you could probably get like the first. You probably have like a top ten at least, Kevin. Yeah. But Eric, Eric's gonna have like a top five, maybe four. Yeah, and like he, you know, Bulletproof Monk and the, and the Dragon Ball movie are bad. But <laughs> but after that, you're gonna be like, See, I thought uh, you like Bulletproof Monk. Now I feel redeemed. Bulletproof Monk is average, but like the best part of that movie is Chow Yun Fat. Like, well, you compared to like Full Contact or uh, the Killer, killer or uh, Hardboiled, yeah. a better a better tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, city on fi- city on fire. Like there's That's so much. Chow Yun Fat cared. Chow Yun Fat is so good, dude. He's so good. He I has like a he was yeah. He has just like a way about him. You know what I mean? Like a good screen charisma. Like yeah, you just can't can't really uh, top. He has another movie coming out. It's about Chow Yun Fat as a pathological gambler who searches for a way to communicate and connect with his son. Terrible. So, it's called Be Water, my friend. It's not out yet. So. Uh-huh. So that's I'll be watching it. All right, yeah, I'll probably watch it. I'm it's chai and fat. I'm into yeah. it. Okay, let's I'll go. Wait, I'll let's, wait for the review. Let's go ahead, though, though Kevin. Um, let's start with. Uh, oh, so we, we usually do the way we usually do this is we all put one in and then we kind of argue about the last two. So, Kevin, what is your film that you want in the found footage Fave Five? I am not a huge found footage person, but I do think when it's pulled off well that. Um, it can be a really cool type of movie. And one of the big things that separates found footage pulled off well versus found footage that's just kind of exists, I think the first thing that does it is, is there a justification? Why are we filming? If you don't have a justification for filming, it will bother me the entire movie. Yeah. The second thing is, do you do something interesting with the found footage aspects of the movie? And that being said, um, you know, I could try and game this, but I'm just going to pick my favorite found footage movie, and that's Troll Hunter. Okay. So happy. Tron Hunter is a very good movie. Why do you like Troll Hunter so much, though, Kevin? Tell, tell people who haven't seen it, maybe. So, Troll Hunter is, um, it mixes, like, fantasy, and not, like, Lord of the Rings fantasy, but just, like, the fantastic, with reality in, um... Uh, a movie where they're trying to shoot like a high school or like a college film project or something. And so that's the justification for the camera rolling the whole time, but they just kind of get pulled further and further and further into the role uh, or into the world of this troll hunter. They end up following around where at first they think he's kind of like this kooky old man, but the more they get into it, the more they discover and the more the world just kind of unfolds for you. Yeah. And we talked about, uh, a movie where we were making these choices. Like we don't really want mockumentaries because there's a lot of kind of found footage ish mockumentaries. And I feel like this, this almost straddles that line, but it's, it's, it's like the king of found footage. It's so good. Found footage is like one of those categories where when it's done really well, it's really good. And it really like adds something to the movie. And when it's done poorly, it can um, take away from the movie. And I'll, I'm gonna use, I'm gonna give you an example of a movie like that. End of Watch. End of Watch is like a, a movie that has some good stuff in it, good acting, interesting story. Um, but but because David Aker, David Ayers decided to make it like found footage filming style, it, the cinematography in that movie is jarring and weird and doesn't fit what's going on. And I don't like it. <laughs> And it like take it takes a movie down a notch. It takes the movie down. It ends up feeling um, kitschy instead of like one, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one notch. All right, I'll go next. I'll put in Cloverfield. 
I think Clover, Cloverfield um, it was a really good movie. Uh, it's got an awesome disaster movie, great found footage movie. Um, just, just, um, it's like, uh, it plays with your, your like, cause you know, you, we all saw New York during a disaster before. Right. So, you know, it's like, it's like, um, and they, another thing too is, is that they don't show the monster. They hide it like a good monster movie does. Right. Really good monster movies hide the monster and don't, don't, you know, overuse it. And this did a really good job of that. Also, I mean, it gave us Matt Reeves, who I think we all agree now is like quite an excellent director, War of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and hopefully his Batman movie is is awesome. Oh, so, so excited. So, Eric. All right. Give, um, give me one. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you one that is many, and that's the VHS series. Uh, right. So VHS over Wreck. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I, I like Rec. I thought Rec was good, but VHS over Rec because one, mm. it's a horror anthology, which uh, will always pull me in. The tales of many uh, can outweigh the tale of one because sometimes shorter is sweeter. And with every horror anthology, and certainly in VHS, there's a lot of trash in there. But if you're taking all three movies, there's at least two in every single one or an average of that that are just straight daggers. I love these stories. Uh, and the good ones are exactly as Kevin described, where they use the found footage as actual found footage, a reason for filming, uh, not just like someone in the woods. I'm going to just tape this for no reason. There's some of that in there. And that's why, uh, you know, those tales fail. But uh, I just I was really impressed with the first VHS movie. It was a nice surprise, uh, especially with the uh, I think the, the title of it was I Like You, but it was basically like the tale of the siren that these uh, young guys out on the town encounter. Um, but everyone after that, uh, after the first VHS, the, the number two and number three, were I, th- just, uh, I think, bo- good. I think both of them hit like two out of five of the an- anthologies I liked, which is why I might go with rec over VHS just because like the hit rates a little low, but the good is the, you're right. The good is really good. And if they made some kind of like VHS 1.5, where it's just the good movies, it probably would have made my list. So you know what? I can dig it. That's fair. <laughs> some kind of VHS 1.5. All right. What are our options you guys are thinking for other, uh, other potential movies here? Okay. So I know you, I know you would like rack, which I think is a respectable option here. Um, just before it goes anywhere else, uh, we all agree that uh, Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity are not going to get any love, right? I mean, I think that Blair Witch is commendable because, like, at the time, it really blur- it really blurred the line of, um, like, you know, just the way they like controlled the information about it and stuff was fun and stuff like that. And I think Paranormal Activity one and three are both solid movies if you just want to watch a movie, but they're not like they're not anything special. They're- I think I think Blair Witch really won in the aspects around the movie, like you said, Nathan. But the film itself, I. I remember watching that movie in theater and being like, wait, it still doesn't make sense. Why is everyone saying this movie is so good? Uh, that's my review of Blair Witch. Yeah, I respect Blair Witch more than I enjoy it. I actually think the if you made me pick, like if we we're going to say Paranormal Activity or Blair Witch, I'd pick Paranormal Activity. I think Paranormal Activity is a very two and a half out of five average kind of kind of um, horror film, whereas Blair Witch to me is slightly below average. Um, in 1999, I might have given it a higher score, you know, uh, but I also was 12. I'll also say in 1999, <laughs> I didn't give it a higher score. So 
Yeah, I was <laughs> I was twelve and maybe maybe a much more forgiving uh, film reviewer. <laughs> you know, I, I think like now it's it's like it's it's like a solid two out of five. It's it's okay. It's slight. Like I said, it's slightly worse for me than than the uh, the paranormal two movies. But it doesn't matter because I don't think either of them are. And I think you're correct, Eric. No, Kevin. And then I think we'll go ahead and throw. Uh, we're going to throw out Cannibal Holocaust here too. It, it deserves a mention because it's kind of the OG of the genre, but it's also not a good movie. Yeah, it's just it's, uh, the 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 effects and the news after the movie of you know all the the trouble it caused and how it made people feel. That's the story, kind of like Blair Witch. It's it's awful. It's not good. <laughs> um, I I get what they're trying to do, and it's like a it's the human centipede. Of it's time. Co- it's commentary, but yes, he, that's a great example. It's human centipede too. The what was it? What's the the extra words they put on there? The second movement or whatever, or the full the full full. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, it, <laughs> a, uh, uh, no uh full yeah, sequence full sequence. sequence thank you full sequence uh. <laughs> so i think what we're actually looking at here is probably wreck uh chronicle uh the creep movies creep movies as above so below probably deserves a mention here same with unfriended which i seem to remember nathan having a an enjoyment of and then uh searching which i i know we all liked yeah. Okay. I'm gonna talk about. Let's. So, has anyone other than me seen As Above, So Below? I have. Okay. Um. I think that the idea of this movie is uh, better than the execution, but it has a really nice pacing. Like it, this movie just goes. You know what I mean? There's no like downtime in this movie, and it uh, strong finish. It's a very engaging movie. I think it's like a two or two and a half, though. It's very average. Uh, yeah. I don't think. I think critics hated it for a good reason. The acting is not good. <laughs> the acting is the not good it's well, like the story got, and the and the the story and the directing work if you can replace like ben feldman in this movie with literally anyone else i really think this movie could have been good solid you know thick tight <laughs> but uh but because of going with this <laughs> because of what it is uh yeah I don't know. Unfriended, same thing. It's a it's a nice, solid, average movie. But I think that the part of the reason I like it so much is because uh, I went in with very low expectations, and it does a good bit with a very little. I wonder. I went in expecting a zero, and it was like a two or two and a half or a three, and I was like, "All right, so this is decent." Um, You know, it's 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 um. So do we go two horror and two not horror then? What? what are, can we talk about Man Bites Dog? Okay. <laughs> uh, have you seen Man Bites Dog? Anyone? I have Is not. This... I have not. I've okay, seen. Ma- uh, I've seen. Okay. Barking dogs never bite. No, but... Man Bites Dog is um is a French movie, and it's like this. It's like a um. <laughs> it's like a doc. It's like a guy hires a documentary crew, and he's a serial killer, and then he. So like creep, yeah. It's like the OG creep, man. But like, it's grim. <laughs> this is like the grimmest movie of all time. I think this movie is actually really good. I got it. I got it recommended to me by this guy I used to work with, who's really into film, Jerry. And like, he, and it's it's grim, but it was solid. I'll say this: if this was like the best movies list, I would say like, yeah, we got to do it, guys. Let's get this movie in here. But it's not the best movies list, and I just think this movie's so grim. I don't think anyone would be like, "Yeah, that was my favorite." 
<laughs> so what I hear is that uh, you dialed in once, but you will not be hitting redial on. Ah, oh, dude, I'm not gonna rewatch this movie. What's funny is like on Letterboxd, the um, the top review it says rewatched to confirm new favorite, and I was like, bro, you rewatched this movie like soon <laughs> after. Like, dang man, it's like this it. movie's like disturbing. Like it's like it's you get you're in the mind of this like deranged uh, like sociopath. You know, it's like not. Uh, unpleasant it's yeah it's not not my favorite so okay so do we want to do a division real quick and it's uh one of wreck or creep and one of chronicle or searching because it was me i just do chronicle and searching but i think i I would do i think i would do that too unless eric has a big uh opposition to that i you know i don't i'm gonna fight for creep we all really enjoyed it there's two movies to choose from that's kind of cheating by the way um, but if you guys really want to go the other way, uh, Chronicle and Searching, I, I don't have a dog in the fight. Searching has a really cool twist on the found footage thing where it's um, everything is told through like webcams and stuff. So I don't know if it's really found footage. So maybe Creep is a better example of the actual genre. Um, yeah, I think that's a reasonable statement. The only thing is a lot of them will switch like between security cam footage and then the person holding the camcorder and then. You know, like that's a pretty common thing and searching is really close to that Chron- chronicle is cool because i think it's like it's one. that's one it's and also it's this is like what would happen if like kids got superpowers it totally is there some teenage boy with way too much angst that is not a good person would would really abuse uh you know their power <laughs> their powers not to mention like it's I felt like it did a super villain origin story in a really believable way. Plus, like, it gave us it gave us life. it gave us Josh Trank, which who went on to make Fantastic Four and Capone. Oh, OK. All right. Never mind. That's not a good reason. Michael Jordan. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to make fun of Josh Trank. I yeah, wanted dude, to- <laughs> that, was, that was not good. So can we agree on Chronicle then? Chronicle's in. And I'm with okay. I'm with Eric. Let's just do creeps. Do creep over searching just because of the the genre unification. Better, better, better genre fit. Better, it's fitting what we're what we're doing. Okay. Uh, better, but I, I do recommend anybody who has not seen Searching, starring Harold. Uh, uh, <laughs> his name. That's it, Harold. So, so funny fact before the before the show starts, I couldn't remember John Cho's name, and I was Eric was like, "What's that movie with uh where?" Harold and his daughter and I was like so I just googled movie where Harold's daughter is lost and then and then I googled that and it came up it was the first result <laughs> and the, the whole thing was we all know this movie we've all seen it we just couldn't remember the name of the movie because you know it's searching so it's like a really generic word but yeah it was just it was it was pretty funny yeah I recommend that one though definitely go see it okay, see so how- five. we've got Troll Hunter, Cloverfield VHS Chronicle and Creep. Fun fact: I watched Cloverfield like three weeks ago. Um, that it holds it, it holds up. It was good. My, uh, Clo- other Cloverfield fun fact: when I saw it in the theater on the first day it came out, I seen it at theater at midnight with my sister. She had to leave the theater because she, she felt like she was gonna throw up. So oh, motion sick. Yeah, she gets motion sick. So it's very shaky cam. Yeah, it's very shaky cam. So all right, for Eric, for Kevin, we will see y'all next week. Go Hawks.